Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Woo is the answer to how are you doing? Great. Let's try that with your kids. Hey, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Welcome to Soul City Church today. My name is Kurt, and I'm the director of Next Steps and Connections here at Soul City. And like Pastor Jarrett said, we are in a series called How Do You Know When You Grow? And I don't know about you, uh, but when it comes to making our spiritual growth and our spiritual life as practical as possible, I'm, I'm all ears. It's one of those things that's like, how do we take what's ethereal and kind of mystical and mysterious and really make it something that we can put legs to in our life? And um, if you think back to when you were a kid, like kids love to chart their growth, right? Anybody have like the little like markers on like the door frame when you were a kid? And then you go to sell your house, and you're like, oh, man, I should have not used permanent marker, right? Uh, kids, it's so obvious for them at that stage in their life. So if you have a son or a daughter or a niece and nephew, you have a little kid in your life, you know this. They are eminent about their growth. They're so interested in it. And I have a, a 16-month-old daughter. Her name is Selah. Uh, and she loves to notice and learn when she's growing or when other things around her are growing. Uh, sometimes it's really exciting. Like she says a new word, and we clap, and then that's the only word she says. So everything's a ball. It's like, no, that's mom. Like, it's not a ball. But it's all right. Uh, you know, and then, like, she loves to, like, find new ways to, like, reach things. And so she can reach things in her house that she couldn't reach last week. So it's time to start childproofing the apartment because uh, she's getting into stuff. Uh, or she'll put a shirt on, and she loved that shirt. And now it's, like, a little too small. doesn't fit anymore. And that's when it's sad that she's growing. Uh, but she, uh, she loves to grow. And she loves other things that are growing. My wife is pregnant. And so she will point at mom's belly all the time. And, and we're like, yeah, there's a baby in there. And she'll be really excited. And her face will light up. And then she'll turn to dad and point at his belly and be like, what's your excuse? <laughs> uh, I don't have one. Sympathy. Uh, sympathy pregnancy. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and so she's so fascinated. And, and, and you can think back probably to seasons in your life, maybe when you were a kid, or you see it in the eyes of little ones around you. They love it when things grow. They love it when the flowers grow. They love it when, when people grow. They love it when they feel like they're growing. And, and as adults, it's sometimes harder for us to get as excited about our growth. And we have things to help us measure it. We have scales in our bathroom. We have, you know, strategic plans for our company or for our department. We have things that chart our progress. You know, your Apple Watch will tell you to stand every now and again because you're just sitting too long in the office. It's like, you know, hit your calorie goal, right? We have all these things in our life, these tools to help us grow. But when it comes to maybe the most important thing about you, the most important thing about you, the most important thing about me, the growth of our soul, sometimes it's hard and maybe even a little daunting to think about how do we know when that's growing? How, how do we put things into practice in our life to help us grow our soul, to grow spiritually, perhaps, like, like I said, the most important thing about us? And so today, I want us to look at a, a story from the scriptures, a story of Jesus and one of the first miracles he ever did, and an invitation that he gave to some unsuspecting uh, bystanders that he invited them to be a part of what he was doing. And it was for their growth. And I believe that Jesus actually extends a similar opportunity to you and to me to teach us this principle so that we can know, hey, this is how I know that I'm growing. So I can not only look back in my life and go, wow, I'm not who I used to be, but I can look forward and say, I'm making progress to become all who God dreams for me to become. And so today, we're going to look at this story. It's out of the Gospel of John, chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you can grab that. If not, we got you covered. There's a gray Bible in the seat back pocket directly in front of you. You can turn, if you're in the gray Bibles, to uh, John, chapter 2. It's on page 740. And if there's a bookmark in your Bible, just hold on to that. Uh, we'll come back to that later. But 
Jesus is in this story. He gives these folks that we're going to read about in just a second an incredible opportunity to live a much better story. And my hope is at the end of this time together, in about 30 minutes, that you would actually perhaps receive that invitation to live an incredible story. Perhaps even a miraculous story. One that you didn't realize uh, you were qualified for because you're not. Uh, and perhaps one that you weren't even expecting to engage in this morning. But it's something that God invites each and every one of us to do. And so on page 740, like I said, John chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. And Jesus and his close followers are at a wedding. And maybe you went to a wedding uh, this weekend, and it was a couple hours long, and it was great, uh, at least the part you remember. Uh, and and in, in Jewish culture, weddings could last for days, days, weeks, uh, huge celebrations. And so this says, as we start uh, in, in chapter 2, on the third day, a wedding took place. So again, this is three days into a celebration. A wedding took place in Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So Jesus shows up at a guest, as a guest. right? He's just there to enjoy himself. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So she brings a problem that's really not Jesus' to solve to Jesus. And he says, dear woman, why do you involve me? Right? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And like a good uh, mother, when her son doesn't want to do what she asks, she simply ignores his resistance and says... <laughs> All the mothers give me an amen, right? Uh, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, which is perhaps the best advice you could give to anyone. Just do whatever Jesus says. Because she was anticipating Jesus to do something. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding about 20 to 30 gallons. So this is John giving us context for what he sees around the story. And so Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Again, we read past that. It's like, cool, that's not a big deal. Like, this was a simple task, but it was not easy. Again, these were huge, stone, heavy jars filled with 30 gallons of water. I don't know about you. I can barely lift those, like, five-gallon, like, water delivery things, and I'm spilling water everywhere, and it's a mess. 30 gallons. These are huge. And it wasn't like they just went to the faucet and turned it on and waited for a minute as it filled up. They went out to the back, probably had to get water out of a well. So this was a task that Jesus was asking them to do. So when they had done that, they filled them to the brim. He told them, now draw out some water and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Perhaps you've heard this story before. He did not realize where it had come from. And I love that John gives us his commentary here. Though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. They called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the two buck chuck later when all the guests have had too much to drink, right? It's just a good economic system. Good stuff first, cheap stuff later, they won't know the difference. But you've saved the best till now, the master says. When Jesus did hear in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and then don't miss this, and the disciples began to believe. They saw that there was more going on than what met the eye, that this wasn't just an ordinary man. And I read this story, and I love that Jesus' first response is he basically says to his mother, that's fine, it's not my problem. Because a lot of times when an opportunity comes my way, that's my response. It's like, oh, that, that's a bummer. Like, hope they figure that out. 
But Mary, like I said, she ignores his resistance, and, he, and she invites Jesus to do something. And Jesus' response, this is the first public miracle he ever does, and this is the first time he does this, but we see this over and over again throughout his life, throughout the scriptures. What Jesus does to solve the problem, to do the miracle, is not just say, like, the wine's not gone, go check again. And while they're walking over, does a miracle. But he instead invites people to participate in what he's about to do. He involves others that are, that are, again, they're just bystanders. They're just servants at the wedding. They had no idea that they were about to be caught up in a miraculous moment. But they were. And Jesus knew that if serving was beneath him, leadership would be beyond him. And so he moves from just watching a problem and saying, I'm going to solve it. I'm going to not be a spectator. I'm going to be a participant. And he asked the servants to do a very simple thing, fill jars with water. Again, not easy, but, but fairly simple. But what Jesus was about to do was supernatural. They did something simple. Jesus did something supernatural. And he intentionally invites them to participate in what he's doing. And I want to challenge you with this. And I, I read this passage and I'm challenged. I'm like, you may never know when God wants to do a supernatural thing when you're doing a simple thing. You might be doing a, a, a simple thing. It might even feel beneath you, to be all honest. Right? It's like, uh... It's simple, it's mundane, it's ordinary. And through you doing a simple thing, God can do a supernatural thing. But it requires us to say yes. It requires us to step into something that perhaps we weren't even planning on. And so my question for you is, what do you do when an opportunity is given to you? What do you do when an opportunity is given to you? Something that perhaps you weren't expecting or an opportunity to participate is offered to you. How do you respond? I mean, let's just be honest. For, for many of us, there's multiple responses. Perhaps you could say what kind of Jesus said at the beginning. I, I'm just a guest. This is not my fault. Like, I, don't tell me what to do, right? Perhaps there's a skepticism that is kind of your MO in terms of how you respond. I don't know how this is going to work. I mean, the servants are probably out the well going, why are we filling this with water? This isn't helpful. Right? Like, how is this going to, what's going to happen? Skepticism. Perhaps... If you're like me, if I'll be honest, when an opportunity comes my way, especially one that I wasn't anticipating, I often respond with a blaming tone. Well, the host should have planned better. I mean, this is a wedding, right? Maybe it's laziness. I just don't want to. I just don't want to. But these servants respond with an attitude of participation. They say, how can I help? And what's interesting to me is that both people... The servants and the people that were just guests of the wedding, spectators, both had a story to tell after that wedding. Guests from, from the wedding probably went home and was like, man, that wedding was incredible. Like, was it just me or was the wine at the back half way better? Great story. Maybe it lasted a few minutes, maybe a week. But the servants had a different story. The servants knew something miraculous had taken place and their faith was expanded, their trust in Jesus, their belief that he was more than just a traveling teacher began to grow. And I love that John points our attention to that. The servants knew. The maitre d' didn't know, but the servants knew. They had a story that perhaps lasted the rest of their life. And years later when Jesus was crucified and buried and then rumors began to show up that he had been risen from the dead and people began to build something called the church that is extending even to 2016 that you are a part of this morning, those servants probably go, yeah, I, I remember Jesus. I, I remember when he was at a wedding and he invited me to fill some stone jars with water and it didn't seem like much and something 
miraculous happened, and I got to be a part of it. Their story may have lasted their entire life. Both people had a story. And that's what I love about God. Right? God is so good that all of the guests at the wedding got to receive the benefit of the miracle. Everybody that was in attendance got the blessing of the better wine. But it was only the servants that knew that they had participated in a miracle because of the power of Jesus. It was the servants, not the spectators, that got to experience the miracle. It was the servants and not the spectators that got to experience a miracle. And their story was much, much better. And I think a lot of times about our experience with God when I read this story. And, and again, there, there's no like pressure here because this is what's so beautiful about God. Everybody gets the benefit. And perhaps when you come to church, you go, wow, I get to be a part of seeing God do something. And I reap the benefits of that. And that's wonderful. But what if there's a better story for you as well? Just like for these servants, that they weren't just serving at a party, but they were surprised by God's including their small, simple act in something supernatural. And we see throughout Scripture, Jesus does this over and over and over again, taking what people can do naturally and doing something supernatural with it. Clearly, this was not about just getting stuff done. Jesus, it would have probably taken him a lot less time to, like I said, just say, no, check again and do a miracle from afar. But those servants, their faith, their life was changed. And that was actually the more important miracle to Jesus than just the wine. And so for you and for me, could it be that Jesus is actually trying to teach and model something to us, that there's a benefit, there's a blessing, there's something that you can get no other way than by getting in the game rather than staying on the sidelines? Could it be that Jesus is teaching me and teaching you something about the heart of God? That God actually is interested in involving you in the movement of his spirit on this planet because of how much he loves you. We say all the time, and I've said it, maybe you've said it as well, I want to be more like Jesus. And, and yet it can be confusing even to know exactly what that might mean. But ultimately that's what this series is all about, is how do we actually know when we're growing? And I would say, uh, you know, a good definition of spiritual growth is wanting to become more like Jesus. And so if you've ever asked that question, I want to be more like Jesus, what does that look like? One of the most clearly taught and modeled things throughout Scripture is that when we contribute to something bigger and better than ourselves, the fingerprint of God shows up in our life. The image of God shines through our actions. Because Jesus even said himself, his mission, the reason he came to this planet, was not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the sins of humanity to bring each and every one of us, me and you, back into a relationship with God. And so if I'm transforming, if you're transforming to become more like Jesus, a perspective will begin to shift in our hearts. Something will change in us where we will realize that while spectating was fine for a season, that's not all God has for you. Again, there's, there's no guilt and shame here. Everybody gets the blessing, but that God is inviting you into something even bigger and even greater because of his love for you. If I become more like Jesus, I realize that my life is about elevating and benefiting others even when it comes at personal cost to self. Because that's what Jesus did for me. And that's what Jesus did for you. So how do you know when you're growing? You actively look for ways to participate in the work of God. It's that simple. 
How do you know when you're growing? You are actively looking for ways to participate in the work of God. You're transforming, you're not stagnating. You're contributing, you're not just consuming. You're participating, you're not spectating. And I have this conversation with folks all the time because we lead an environment around here called the first serve experience where many folks are beginning to serve at least at Soul City, but for many of them, for really the first time with any sort of church or organized, you know, kind of uh, volunteer opportunity, many of them for the first time in their life. And we talk about why this is important and what happens to a person. Again, the stuff that happens, the kids that get loved on, the coffee that gets made, you know, the lights that show up behind me, that's all the byproduct. The real point is what happens in you. And I tell them all the time, what if there's something, because I believe this is actually true, what if there's something that God has for you that can only be gained, only be unlocked through living a consistent life of serving other people? What if there's a perspective, a lesson, a blessing that God wants to give you, but the only way that we can get it is by serving other people? Because there's something that happens when we place ourselves in a posture of participation. The, the, this spiritual growth thing become a lot more tactile because the reality is my participation is necessary for my transformation. My participation is necessary for my transformation. And the same is true for you. Your participation is actually necessary for your transformation. Many of the times when I find myself feeling stuck, I find myself feeling like just lost and slow in my spiritual growth, I'll look back and I'll go, you know, it's, it's, it's because I've been focusing on me. I'm trying to solve my problem. I'm trying to solve my growth and I, and I can get stuck. And the reality is you can come to church every week. You can be in incredible small groups. You can actually memorize the entire Bible and there is still something God has for you that you will miss out on until you step across the line and say, okay, I'm in. I want to participate. I want, to, I want to do whatever I can do. It might be a simple thing. It might even feel beneath me at times. But I believe that God has something for me on the other side. And, and, and I get it. I, I know the resistance. Like I said, I know the responses of, oh, I, I just, I'm not qualified. Uh, if you knew my life, I, I, don't, I don't know a lot about God or the Bible. I don't know about, you know, how to do this or that. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a fill in the blank. Or, you know what, I'm, I'm really busy. I have a lot going on in my life. And, and I'm sure you do. And, and there's often times when we can put those things out in front and they become a barrier for us to grow the way I think God in, invites us to grow. And so again, there is cost to sacrifice. There is. But the invitation is still there. And my challenge to you is what kind of story do you want to live? What kind of story do you want to have? It's like I said, both, both groups of people at the wedding had a story to tell. Man, that was great. That was really fun. I'm so glad I went to that party. They had great wine. Or, we got caught up in a miracle moment. And I'm, it's not because we picked the right jar or we went to the right well. No, we did something ordinary that we had done before. It seemed like nothing. And then Jesus did something powerful. And so he's the hero of the story. It's not because the servants are great. It's Jesus did something. And so there are things that we can do that are so simple that you can do. 
that are so simple. And in the obedience of doing those simple things, God does something supernatural. And, and if you're wondering if this is really for you, I want to encourage you with something the Apostle Paul wrote to a church very similar to ours a couple thousand years ago. Church in Corinth, a big city. He was reminding them of who they really were. Who they really were. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. It's up on the screen. It says, all of you together. Don't miss that. All of you together are Christ's body. Not each of you individually. But when we come together and serve together, we are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. There's a, there's a spot for everyone. Maybe you've been coming to Soul City for a long time. And, and, and we can get this backwards sometimes where we think the church is a place I go to. And, and you showed up at the right address, so I'm really glad you're here. But this address, 1150 West Adams, is not the church. You are. You are. And you have a part to play. And if you don't play your part, the picture is actually incomplete. The picture that God desires for the world to see about who he is and what he's about and what he's communicated and how much he loves them is actually incomplete without you. Don't miss that. That's how much God loves you. That invitation is for you. We tell this to our volunteers every Sunday before we get started. We'll huddle up and we'll tell them that, you know, when people come to church today, all four of our gatherings, they're actually looking for Jesus. That's, that's whether they know it or not, whether they can put words to it that succinctly or not, that's what they're craving. That's what our soul desires is we want to connect with God through Jesus. So people are coming to church looking for Jesus, but they're going to talk to you. You're going to check their kids in. You're going to give them a cup of coffee and life is just going to miraculously appear. It's going to be wonderful. And you get to see the miracle. You're going you're gonna to help them park their car and walk them across the street in the rain with an umbrella. And that's a small thing. But that's going to make a mega impact in their heart. And they're going to be open to what God is going to do in their life. You're going to work behind the scenes. No one's ever going to see you. No one's ever going to know your name or know how to say thank you. But if you weren't doing what you were doing, none of this would happen. Because I'm not controlling the cameras and the screens and the lights, and I'm certainly not playing the piano right now. <laughs> it's not magic. It's, it's people saying yes. People just like you. People just like you. So what story do you want to tell? I go to a great church. They really do a great job. Their kid stuff is super awesome. I love my small group. Thank goodness someone is leading it. Those are great stories. There's nothing wrong with that. But what if the invitation to you, even right now, from your loving Heavenly Father, is that you could be someone else's they. And you could lead a small group. Or you could serve to create an experience where they can encounter God, perhaps in a moment of desperation and need. I know for many of us, you have experienced this. And you, and you know, while we get things done, that's the byproduct of what God is doing in and through your life as you serve. 
and if you're serving around here, thank you. you. You make it look like we don't need anybody else. You know that's not true. But you do such a great job. But it's not the getting the job done that matters. Again, the miracle wasn't actually in the wine. The miracle is in what God was doing in the servant's heart. For those of you that serve in Soul City Kids, I think of Isabella. She's there like three out of four gatherings because then she goes to Soul City Students at 1230 because she's in high school. I never got up at 7 a.m. in high school, I don't think. <laughs> and she's here holding perhaps your baby. A thankless job. They only cry. They never say thank you. <laughs> and she's here. I think of Wilder, who's a host team coach. He's not just helping people find a seat. If you've ever had a meaningful experience where you encountered Jesus and God spoke to you in this room, he had a part in that. He had a part in that. As he leads the team to create an environment where people can encounter transformation through Jesus' love and grace. If you've ever been in a small group and you know the power of God that happens when you get in a circle, there are literally hundreds of people that you could say thank you to. There are so many folks that are serving and making an impact that you don't even know, but you're grateful for them. I'm grateful for it. But I think of Kristen. And Kristen came to a first serve a couple months ago. And she started, you know, checking it out and did a test drive and she chose the cafe team. She started serving on the cafe team. And then she showed up to serve one morning and it was a Sunday where we were doing our baptisms. And as she's standing out at the cafe, having served people and loved them, she hears the call through the TV monitor and the speaker that's out in the lobby. And somehow, I don't know all the details, but she looked at her team leader and said, I, I think I need to go get baptized. I think that's what God's inviting me to do. And so she left the cafe, she got a shirt, she changed, she came in here and she got baptized. And it was powerful. And it was beautiful. Where she took a moment to say, I, my life belongs to Jesus. I, I'm in. I don't have it all figured out. I don't have everything in my life perfect. But Jesus has changed and transformed my heart. And I want to go public. And she could have gotten out of the tank and put a towel on. Maybe she would have had friend or a loved one there and that would have been it and she left she could have left church and been like that was that was great I'm glad I did that but instead what happened she got out of the tank she got a towel around her had a few friends saying congratulations we're so proud of you but as she turned and walked back her four other cafe team members were there giving her a high five encouraging her sending her emails throughout the week saying I see what God's doing in your life and it's powerful and it's real and it's beautiful and you're growing. I encourage that in her. And my guess is you want that too. My guess is you, you want to know that there are people that are with you, that are in your life, that are calling out the things they see in you and ultimately that's what the church is supposed to be. But a church is not a place we come to 
It's a people, it's a community that we are. And so in your Bible, there was a bookmark. And I would encourage you to grab it and to pull it out. And I really want you to do this. I really want you to fill this out because one of the things I love about our church is that when we hear something powerful from the scriptures, we don't just go, that was a great talk. Way to go. We actually want to take a step and put movement to our life out of this moment. And so would you grab this and grab a pen? And I would encourage each and every one of you, fill this out right as legibly as you can because we want to help you participate because we believe it's going to help you grow. Because we believe it's going to help you grow. And the best part, this is how good God is. Not only will you grow, but as you serve around here, other people will grow because of it as well. Kids are going to grow up. The trajectory of their life will be changed forever because you do a simple thing. Marriages will be transformed and healed because you say yes this morning. People will start a relationship with Jesus that transforms everything about them simply because you said, I don't have much, but I have something. I can give a little bit of time and a little bit of effort. And so we want to make it as easy as possible. That's why we created this. Again, if you already have something in mind, you can check that other box and write it down. Uh, Jarrett signed me up for our puppet ministry at the 8 o'clock, which doesn't exist, apparently until now. But if you have something in mind, you can write that down. But if, if not, pick something. We promise to make it as easy and as fun as possible for you. Because my desire for you is not that you would sign up for a team and ask them for some information and then maybe check it out and then maybe serve once and then stop. That's not what I want for you. My, my hope is that six months from now, three weeks from now, a year from now, you look back and go, I'm so glad I made that decision because I'm a different person because of it. So whether you've been here for a long time or maybe this is only your first or second time, you're invited too. You're invited too. Not by me, but by the God who made you and loves you and desires great things for you. So how are you going to participate? We would invite you to fill this out. And then as you leave today, our host team, again, all volunteers, have baskets for you to drop it off in the back. And we will get in touch with you to help you take that next step. But if you didn't know there was a spot for you, I hope as of today you know that the God of the universe has orchestrated your life in such a way that you're here. And I believe it's because he is inviting you to be involved in his movement in this church, in this city, and around this world because he knows it's going to grow and bless you. I believe that. And so would you consider that? Let me pray for you. Now we're going to continue to worship together and respond to God, respond to his goodness. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, do, we thank you that you didn't just do miracles apart from us. But all throughout the scripture, you invite and involve everyday ordinary folks into your movement in this world because you know that we grow when we participate with you. And so Jesus, thank you. Thank you that as unqualified or as 
nervous or as unsure even as we might feel that you actually believe in us. And it's because of your life and death and resurrection and all that you've done for us that we respond in this way with gratitude and joy. I can't wait to participate in what you're going to do in someone's life and what you're going to do in my life through my step of obedience. And so, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you invite us to be your church. Help us to get it right. So it's in your name we pray. Amen.